Hey, babe, what you got there? This is a check from Carvana. I just sold my car to them. I went online and Carvana gave me an offer right away. Then they just picked up the car and gave me this. Well, that's a big check. Well, obviously you could put this towards your next car, or we could finally get that jacuzzi, or I could start taking tuba lessons, or I could quit my job and write my memoir. Or I can put it towards my next car with Carvana. Sorry, your check, not mine. Sell your car to Carvana. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to get a real offer in seconds. Oh, hello. Meet Optima Health, your friend for Medicaid coverage. Like any true friend, we can help make life a little easier with discounts on healthy food and gift cards for pregnancy and child checkups. We include vision and medical help 24-7. See more benefits at OptimaMedicaid.com slash hello. It's time to say hello to Optima Health, a health plan you can count on. Aspirin has been there since the 19th century, and its herbal precursor has been there for more than 2,000 years. But by the year 1950, aspirin became the most frequently sold painkiller. In the 1970s, the value as an antithrombotic agent was realized, and it became the standard antiplatelet for patients with ischemic heart disease, myocardial infarction, stroke, and peripheral vascular disease. Later on, even studies suggested it can prevent colorectal cancers. With all these benefits, being a cheap medication with few side effects, aspirin became available in every house. And because it does save lives in heart attacks, people started using aspirin to prevent heart attacks and strokes. And that was even based on some observational studies. But now we have better painkillers and stronger antiplatelet agents. We came to realize that aspirin can also cause bleeding and its protective effect may not be as great as we thought. So what's the truth about aspirin? Should people above the age of 40 take aspirin to prevent heart attacks and strokes or not? Cardio Buzz is your weekly show for cardiology news, reviews, conference coverage, and interviews with experts. In this episode, we will discuss the latest report on aspirin, which was prepared by the United States Preventive Service Task Force, and it was published April in the Journal of the American Medical Association. The U.S. Preventive Service Task Force is an independent panel of experts in prevention and evidence-based medicine. The members of the task force come from different specialties, internal medicine, family medicine, pediatrics, nursing, the panel issues recommendations based on rigorous reviews of evidence. These recommendations help primary care clinicians to decide whether a preventive service is right for the patient or not. The panel for the last 20 years sends to the U.S. Congress every year a report that identifies critical issues in preventive services and recommends future plans for research with their website in the description. But now let's focus on their aspirin recommendation for primary and secondary prevention. And of course, cardiovascular diseases are the leading causes of mortality in the world, accounting for one in every four deaths. In the United States, there is annually 600,000 heart attacks and another 600,000 strokes. And of course, prevention of these tragic events worldwide is a high priority. But we need to think of two types of prevention 
secondary prevention and primary prevention. Secondary prevention means preventing an event in someone who already got a previous event. He already has angina, myocardial infarction, stroke, or vascular disease. And I need to stress that in these patients, aspirin is essential, and it's beyond the scope of this recommendation. So if you are a patient and you're taking aspirin, please don't stop aspirin, and I encourage you to discuss with your treating doctor if you have questions on aspirin. The other aspect is primary prevention, which means preventing an event in someone who's healthy, who never had angina, who never had infarction, or never had vascular disease before. It also includes those individuals who do not have a clinical disease, but they have risk factors for disease, like advanced age, high blood pressure, diabetes, high cholesterol, smoking, or family history of atherosclerotic disease. These recommendations by the task force is specific to adults who are 40 years or older, who do not have symptoms of cardiovascular disease, who do not have known cardiovascular disease, and they are also not at increased risk for bleeding. There's no history of gastrointestinal ulcers, no recent bleeding, and they are not taking medications that can increase the risk of bleeding. So what did the United States Preventive Service Task Force do? First, they commissioned a systematic review of 13 randomized clinical trials involving more than 160,000 participants. These trials studied the effects of aspirin in reducing the risk of cardiovascular events, myocardial infarction, stroke, mortality, all-cause mortality, in persons without history of cardiovascular disease. And what they found was, in adults 40 years or older who have no history of cardiovascular disease, Trials showed a small 12% relative reduction in myocardial infarction and another 12% relative reduction in stroke, but with no difference in cardiovascular mortality or total mortality with low-dose aspirin. The benefits of aspirin increased when the 10-year risk of cardiovascular diseases increased, and the magnitude of benefit of aspirin was greater when aspirin was initiated at a younger age. The greatest benefits of aspirin were for those whose 10-year cardiovascular risk was more than 15 or 20%. Males had a higher prevalence of disease, of course, than females. And, of course, individuals of African origin had a higher prevalence of disease. And so there seems to be some protective effect for aspirin, and that's the good part. The bad thing, however, was that the same trials found a 58% increase in major gastrointestinal bleeding and a 31% increase in intracranial bleeding. The risk increased more in the elderly, particularly above the age of 60. Regarding colorectal cancer, the evidence was unclear whether aspirin reduced the risk of colorectal cancer or not. Then the task force commissioned a simulation model that studied the net balance of benefits and harms from aspirin for primary prevention of cardiovascular disease and colorectal cancer. This model provides additional information to assess the balance of benefits and harms of aspirin use. I urge you to look at this model. It's figure two in the paper, and it shows the life years gained when we initiate aspirin in different ages and in different cardiovascular risks. And the table shows the following. A positive number equals a gain of life years, and the negative number equals loss of life years. 
all the numbers above the age of 70 and most of the numbers above the age of 60 are negative. So aspirin is dangerous when it is initiated above the age of 60 for primary prevention. You'll also find yellow highlights for these positive numbers. And these yellow highlights mean that the benefit is there, but it is small. So it gets class C recommendation. So you have to discuss with the patient and take into account different variables before you decide with the patient. For example, if we take 100 men who are aged 50 or more and their 10-year risk of cardiovascular events is huge, is 20%, and we give them no-dose aspirin, this would give us at best 5.2 years life years for the entire cohort of 100 men, which we know is not an impressive benefit, unfortunately. So what's the final recommendation? For adults who are 60 years or older, do not initiate aspirin for primary prevention of cardiovascular disease. For adults aged 40 to 59 years, then here we have to estimate the risk of cardiovascular disease using the cardiovascular disease risk estimator. It's available online and I'm putting a link to that calculator in the description. This calculator takes into account age, gender, race, blood pressure, cholesterol, blood sugar, and smoking. Between the age of 40 and 59, if the estimated cardiovascular risk is less than 10%, then there's no point in initiating aspirin. Between the age of 40 and 59, if the estimated cardiovascular risk is 10% or greater, then we use a shared decision-making with the patient, taking into account potential benefits and harms of aspirin, as well as patients' values and preferences. And based on this discussion, we decide about initiating aspirin or not. For patients who decide to initiate aspirin, it would be reasonable to initiate and continue on a low dose of aspirin, 81 milligrams per day. For those who are eligible and choose to start taking aspirin, we need to stop aspirin around the age of 75 because as age advances, then the risk of bleeding increases and any benefit of aspirin would be probably lost by the age of 75 because the risk of bleeding would be higher. Again, I need to stress that these recommendations only apply to persons who do not have history of cardiovascular disease, signs of symptoms of disease, or other conditions for which aspirin may be indicated. Persons who are currently taking aspirin and have questions about it, they should discuss these questions with their clinician. Persons who are taking aspirin should not discontinue it without consulting their clinician. For persons who are deciding with their clinician whether to continue or discontinue aspirin, clinicians may want to consider the person's age, level of cardiovascular disease risk, bleeding risk preferences, and reasons for taking aspirin, and then reach together a decision about continuing aspirin or not. And we must keep in mind that instead of focusing on prescribing aspirin or not, there are several measures that are really effective in reducing cardiovascular events. These include blood pressure control, blood sugar control with the newer anti-diabetic medications, reduction of LDL with statins and other agents, smoke cessation, healthy lifestyle, DASH diet, physical exercise. When we combine all of these measures together, then the benefit that we see is far beyond what we get from just a low dose of aspirin. 
So keep this in mind. Thank you for listening to this episode of Cardio Buzz. Please follow the show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. The episode is an article on my LinkedIn profile. The link is in the description. The episode also will be on YouTube. The link is in the description. Stay tuned for the next episode. Enjoy your weekend and see you next Saturday.